What does it mean when Jesus is transfigured? He's not changed into something different. His true nature is revealed. What if that was to happen to us? Would we like what we saw? Would people recognise us for who we really are? Hi, welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name's Stuart and I get to be the minister here. It's brilliant to have you with us today from wherever you find yourself. Thanks for choosing to join us. You can find out all about who we are and what we do on our website at st-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk. Please pop over and have a look. Today I'm joined in worship by Margaret. Margaret's going to read for us and she'll lead us in prayer later in our time together. So let's listen now for the word of God. The New Testament reading can be found in Matthew chapter 17 verses 1 to 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and the brothers James and John and led them up a high mountain where they were alone. As they looked on, a change came over Jesus. His face was shining like the sun and his clothes were dazzling white. Then the three disciples saw Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So Peter spoke up and said to Jesus, Lord, how good is it that we are here? If you wish, I will make three tents here one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was talking, a shining cloud came over them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my own dear son, with whom I am pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard the voice, they were so terrified that they threw themselves face downwards on the ground. Jesus came to them and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. So they looked up and saw no one there but Jesus. As they came down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Don't tell anyone about this vision you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from death. Today is one of those threshold moments. The deep breath between what has been and what will be. A pause as we end one season and prepare for another. This season after Christmas, where we try to discover a bit more about who Jesus is, where we try to find those revelations and realisations, those little epiphanies about who Jesus really is, always ends with an account of what we've come to call the Transfiguration. This strange story where Jesus takes three disciples up a mountain and something very strange and unexpected happens. Moses and Elijah appear and Jesus' true nature is revealed and God speaks There's an awful lot going on here. We've jumped pretty far forward to chapter 17 of Matthew's Gospel. Our reading starts with six days later. Later than what? For the first time, Jesus tells his disciples that he will die and that he will be resurrected. And this happens six days after that revelation. These disciples, these ordinary people, have been plucked from their lives and have journeyed with Jesus for almost three years. They've heard and seen things that have challenged them, inspired them and changed them. They've watched as Jesus cured people and taught about how the law could change everything. They've had a front row seat to miracles and wonders and all of a sudden Jesus tells them that he's going to die. Soon. And that death will involve suffering and pain at the hands of the authorities. But there will be resurrection. More than that, Peter has finally worked out who Jesus is. He says, you are the Messiah. And Jesus' response is to take all of that away. 
I think it can be hard for us to imagine ourselves into this part of the story. We've not seen what they saw. We have not stood in their sandals. We've not grown close to the man, the physical embodiment of Jesus in the way that they had. He was their leader, their teacher, their friend. He'd opened up a life that they could never have imagined in their wildest dreams. And now he was telling them that it's all going to end. An end in pain and suffering. Except that's not quite what Jesus was saying, was it? Like most of us who get news that we don't understand, we only hear the worst bit. The disciples knew that Jesus would be resurrected because everyone will be resurrected on the last day. That's what everyone except the Sadducees believed. That on the last day, the day of resurrection, all faithful souls would be raised to new life. They had no idea that Jesus was talking about something else. Something much, much more immediate. So Jesus takes three of them up the mountain. And he is transfigured there. He begins to glow in dazzling white and Moses and Elijah appear. And the always practical Peter offers to build shelters for everyone. And while Peter was still speaking, a bright cloud envelops them and God speaks. This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And they're terrified. I think that's my favourite part of the story. They've gone up the mountain. Jesus has started to glow. Moses and Elijah have appeared and that's all perfectly fine. In fact, it's good. That's what Peter says. Lord, it's good for us to be here. They're having an amazing time because they have no idea what's really going on. Moses and Elijah were the two greatest figures in Jewish history. Moses was the giver of the law. He was the one who led the slaves out of Egypt to freedom. He was the one who went up the mountain to speak with God and came back with the law the Ten Commandments. Moses was the one who led them to the threshold of the promised land. And Elijah, he was the greatest of all the prophets. He stood up to Ahab and Jezebel when nobody else would. He was the one who remained faithful to God. And it almost cost him his life. His reward was to be taken up to heaven in a chariot of fire. Jesus is standing with these two and and that confirms Peter's assertion that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one they've been waiting for for all these years. Jesus is the one who will transform everything. And there on the mountain, that final epiphany takes place. The disciples are delighted to have been there, to have all their hopes confirmed, to see for themselves that Jesus is the real deal. And then God speaks. And they're terrified. And the terror, I think, shows that they haven't really understood what's going on. They have no idea who Jesus really was. They knew that God was working through Jesus, but they didn't get that God was Jesus and Jesus was God. So when God speaks, they're terrified. Terrified because in the past when God appears to people, things generally don't end well. Apart from for Moses, who spent 40 days in the mountain in the presence of God. And for Elijah who stood before God at the mouth of the cave after the whirlwind and the earthquake and the fire and met God in the still small voice of the silence. Moses was changed by his encounter on the mountain. His face glowed and the people were scared of them. They made him cover his face up. Elijah was strengthened by his gentle encounter with God. It was just what he needed. Why are you here? Asked God. And Elijah was able to remember his purpose was to love God to follow the first and greatest of all the commandments. 
In this moment of transfiguration, the disciples see Jesus as he will be. They see the resurrected Christ and they don't get it. Jesus' true nature, his real identity is revealed to them and they just don't see it. So God speaks directly to these disciples. This is my son, the beloved. And God has one instruction for them. Listen to him. And they don't, at least not very well, I wonder, do we? Then Moses and Elijah disappear and Jesus returns to his normal state and it's Jesus who comforts them with a gentle touch and a quiet word. Do not be afraid. They spent their whole lives being afraid. Afraid of failure, afraid of illness and injury, afraid of the Romans, afraid of their own shadow, afraid even of God. And there in that moment, they were changed. Their fear left them and they were transformed. Except that's not what happened at all, is it? Jesus goes back down the mountain and everything is just the same as when he left. Peter, James and John will go on to run away, to hide, to deny even knowing Jesus, to be even more afraid than ever. Until that moment when they thought everything had been lost, when the very worst that they could imagine had actually happened, when absolutely everything they had had been taken away, when Jesus had been crucified, was dead and was buried. It was not until that moment, not until they met the same Jesus that they met on the mountain again on that first Easter morning, not until then that the disciples are also transfigured, when they become what they've always been, become what they were created to be, become true children of God. And that's the thing about this story of transfiguration. It's not only for those three scared men on the mountain. The story's for us as we step over this threshold of Lent and begin the long journey to the cross. Jesus is fully revealed to us. God tells us that this is his son and we should listen to him. And in recognising Jesus as the embodiment of God, God in the flesh, God incarnate, his comforting hand rests on our shoulders too. And he gently reminds us that we do not need to be afraid. I wonder if we were to be transfigured like Jesus was, if our true nature was to be revealed, what would we see in each other? I have a sense that for most of us that's a terrifying thought, that people would see through the masks that we all wear, past the polite exterior that we present to the world, and see who we really are. If that's what you think, then listen carefully to this. On Wednesday as Lent begins, Christians will be reminded that our bodies come from dust and to dust they will return, but not our souls. Our souls come from heaven, and even as they inhabit this flesh and blood, our souls are still heavenly because they are of God. We are created in God's image. If our true nature was to be revealed, then that's what would be seen. It wouldn't be all the bad stuff, the fear and the pain and the disappointment and the guilt. Why? Because God's all about transformation, transforming death, to life. Jesus came to help us get past all of that, to lay down and step out and put behind all the stuff that prevents us from loving God and loving each other fully. That's what God does through Jesus and the resurrection. Death is defeated. Sin is no more. The promise of eternal life is real. And it begins today, here in this moment, for you and for me, as we recognise that God is with us. God is around us. God is in us. All of us. Always.
always. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How good it is to sing His praise. How good it is to sing praises to our God. Sing praises to our God. How good it is to sing His praise. How good it is to sing praises to our God. Praise the Lord. Great is the Lord, a mighty King. There is no end to all He knows. Each shining star He calls by name. Lift up the Lord, come sing His praise. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How good it is to sing His praise. in those who open Him. He binds our wounds and gives us strength. Sing to the Lord with thankful hearts. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How good it is to sing His praise. Gracious and loving God, give us peace in our hearts. We have so much to be grateful for 
and yet we all have times when we are troubled or anxious, when we feel overwhelmed and don't know where to turn. Comfort us and guide us onto the right path. Remind us of your constant loving care and your constant presence with us. Bring peace in our families, in our churches and in our workplaces. Help us to be peacemakers. Show us how to share peace with those we love and those who are hard to love. We can trade our worries for your peace, if only we come to you. Give us peace deep in our hearts, a peace that stays with us day and night and calms our troubled minds. When anxiety shakes our calm, remind us of the power of prayer which allows us to bring our concerns to you. God of peace, we see our troubled world and feel helpless. Our hearts go out to those affected by the horrors they see in their communities every day, and we especially remember those in Turkey, Syria and Ukraine. We are perplexed by the problems faced by refugees, who see the only way forward is to put themselves and their families in the hands of ruthless men and women who promise them a future. What can we do? We cannot control people, governments or events, but we should not feel helpless because we have the power of prayer. In every stressful moment, for every time of trouble, we can go to you and talk to you and you will listen. You bring out the good in every circumstance if we put our trust in you. You have promised us a peace that passes all understanding. Put peace in the hearts of all who are suffering from the actions of others and peace in the minds of those whose actions cause so much fear and anxiety. Restore peace in the world you created. This we ask in your name as we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Go in peace. Go in wonder. Go in mystery. Go in love. Go with the blessing of God. God the creator, God the source, God the spirit. With us all now and always. Food Bank opens for collection on Sunday from 1pm until 2.30pm and every Sunday thereafter. Uh, obviously it's been Christmas and New Year so stocks are low so any donations that you could bring to the Food Bank would be very gratefully appreciated. And don't forget if you or anyone you know needs food 
then they can come and collect food at the same time from 1pm until 2.30pm every Sunday at St Ninian's Church. Our third Sunday youth group meets on the third Sunday, which is the 19th of February, and we will be exploring the topic of love. And to help us do that, Matt from the URC Synod is going to come and help us and bring lots of Lego with him. And our new Cafe Church, which is going to be looking at the theme of Holy Habits, begins on the 23rd of February. That's Thursday the 23rd of February at 7.30pm. We're going to explore every month a holy habit and the first one is reading the Bible. You are very welcome to join us.